Raunchy Power Hour, a book club for discussing romance from the erotic to the erroneous. As always, this is an explicit podcast and contains strong language, adult themes, and sexual content. If you are sensitive to these things, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This month, we are reading November 9 by Colleen Hoover. This is part one of November 9. This podcast will contain spoilers through part four. If you want to read along with us, stop listening now. It's okay. We'll wait for you to come back. This book contains themes of suicide, car accidents, arson, and grief. You have been warned. I'm your producer, Ashlyn. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney. What's up? I'm Lauren. Now get ready to get raunchy. Sydney, you know the drill. Do you have a question for me? Oh, I absolutely do. Oh, I'm excited. If you were forced to meet up with a self-proclaimed alpha male on a specific date of the year for dinner and rancid company, what would be your preferred alpha male traits and persona? Describe him for me. Give me Barbie uh, Dream Man. Oh, see, this isn't the question I thought you were going to go with. I thought you were about to ask me um, what, what would be my ideal date. And I'd go, well, I think it'd have to be April 8th because it'll be like sunny and stuff like that. And like the temperatures aren't terrible. <laughs> you know, what? I totally. appreciate a setting before characters. That's perfect. I'm also terribly ripping that off from a movie. I have no idea which one. Um, <laughs> um. Alpha male characteristics I would love to have. Tolerate. Okay. Doesn't have tolerate. to be infatuation. Okay, tolerate. What could I tolerate? What could I tolerate? Um, I think I could... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of any and it's really hard. <laughs> um... I could tolerate the business like attitude of being an entrepreneur because then I would never have to see him. <laughs> Respectful nine to five crypto grind. I like it. Exactly. And then when he views me as an object and he pays for my food, I'll just go, uh-huh. <laughs> like the lobster, please. <laughs> I'd like the lobster, the steak, I'd like champagne, and oh, what was that? No, I don't know about crypto or football. Can you tell me more? Oh my god. <laughs> what about you, Lauren? What would be your uh, ideal alpha Ken? Oh. I think I'm gonna have to go with the typical, like, shaded in lion clock eagle type sleeve. And then somewhere within that sleeve, it has to have, like, the grind never stops. Mm -hmm. Something akin to that, because I need a reminder constantly of the fact that I can never bring this home to my parents. True, this true, person, true. This amalgamation. This amalgamation of toxic masculinity. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful segue into this review. Oh, gosh. Boy, do we have a story for y'all today. 
And oh boy, we've got a lot of foreground to cover. So if you think you're ready to get started, Sid. I'm so ready. I was trying to come up with something funny, but I couldn't think of anything. Oh, there's nothing funny about this book. Um, (laughs) Except for the whole book. (laughs) Except for the whole book. Except for the whole thing. If you if you think it's taking itself seriously, that's true. Maybe that'll be one of our big debates in this novel review. That's not what I was trying to say. Anyway, welcome, (laughs) welcome to our review of November 9th by Colleen Hoover. Now, I'm fairly certain that Colleen Hoover is most likely not going to be a new name to any of you. I know certainly that a lot of our listening base probably stems from book talk or some related form of book social media. And coincidentally enough, if you're on book talk, you absolutely know who Colleen Hoover is. And she very famously got her start on book talk. But a little bit more about her background of information you may not know from that side of the internet. For Margaret Colleen Fennell, She is currently 43 years old, I believe, a current resident of Texas. And she surprisingly has a background in social work that she graduated from Texas A&M with way back yonder. I don't have the year written down because that's not important. But all we know is that she used to have... I'm so sad she's an Aggie. I know. I thought about you when I saw that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go Aggies. Yeah. That's like, gig them. (laughs) Yeah, no, she used to have a social working background. That was her day job for many years until she decided to write her first debut novel, which was a self-published title called Slammed, which was published in 2012. And within that same year of 2012, she received a gushing review, a five-star review by popular book blogger, Maryse. Oh, sorry, that was on me. I didn't have it forward this way. Maryse Black. Which basically from this book blogger, which I'd like to think is an early iteration of book talk, but for more mature people than myself, um, this basically launched Hoover's career. And at that point, pretty soon after, she quits her day job to pursue authoring full time. Now, several books. (laughs) (laughs) The slander has begun. Jesus, I worked a nine to five today. (laughs) Same here. I don't have a filter. I'm sorry, everyone. I don't have a vocabulary. Uh, (laughs) This is going to be great. Several books uh, have been published after the original slammed novel, including two sequels, uh, creating a trilogy, and as well as the very infamous book that we'll be tackling today, November 9, which was published in 2015. But we're going to put a pin in the background knowledge about November 9 for now to address possibly one of her most noteworthy novels. It ends with us released in 2016. Now, a little bit of background about it ends with us. As a little bit of a disclaimer, neither Sid or I have read this novel, but based on my limited research, Ashlyn has read this novel, evidently. Based on my limited research with Ashlyn, please feel free to correct or fix if I say anything wrong. Hoover has basically stated that her intentions for writing It Ends With Us was to primarily advocate for survivors of domestic violence, which actually happens to include herself. She drew inspiration from her own exposure in childhood and into early adulthood to domestic violence from her father growing up to write the main character, Lily, who experiences very similar forms of violence, both familially, but also later on in her romantic relationship. Now, Also putting a pin in that for a moment to state that it ends with us, among other New York Times bestsellers of Hoover's, propelled her into internet stardom around 2020 to 2021 through BookTok, whose fans have now monikered themselves as the cohort, which is actually quite clever. I'm not going to lie. 
pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty I like good. It that, I like it better than Hoover girlies, which we keep calling them. <laughs> the Hoover girlies. Clearly, we don't know. <laughs> no, we're obviously not a part of the cohort. The cohort. No. <laughs> Ashlyn just points to herself and just goes, but I am. <laughs> I'm a part Me. of it. It is I, the cohort. No, this uh, blockbuster celebrity, as Hoover has coined it over interviews, eventually even led her to seek advice on celebrity and, you know, immediate growing prowess from her bestie, E.L. James, who we have famously read the Mr. From in months past and have been scarred ever since. <laughs> and who we also have beef with. That's right. I'm calling you out, E.L. James. You shouldn't have blocked us. <laughs> I was about to say, I wonder if Coho got some tips from E.L. James about blockbuster celebrity, which includes blocking your haters. If, if you don't see next. them, they're not there. If you don't <laughs> see them, they're not there. Oh, deny, 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 deny. <laughs> uh, but as of recording, she has a movie deal for It Ends With Us, starring Blake Lively and Justin Baldoni, and has also published a total of 24 novels. Now. We've touched on a little bit of it ends with us in some of our other novels. And I think this is a great time to sort of segue over into some of the controversy that you may be familiar with surrounding Coho. Now, mm -hmm. starting with it ends with us again, prefacing this by saying we are not and have not read it ends with us. So this is all just based on Internet speculation that I have seen. Uh, I could be wrong. Please feel free to drop a comment down below in the not comment section of Spotify or Apple Podcasts. <laughs> It Ends With Us has been accused of, quote, romanticizing domestic abuse from readers who went into the novel advertised as a romance, as an important key point of this, unaware of its contents and its graphic depictors of physical assault. Additionally, people have also criticized Hoover for portraying these harmful relationships to young, impressionable audiences who may find her content through TikTok or other similar social media platforms. Now, alternatively, on the flip side of this debate, others have praised Hoover for, quote, not shying away from the dark, tumultuous realities of intimate partner violence and have cited her own experience with DV as credibility for writing this type of content. And, you know, I know obviously what some people may be thinking. Obviously, her works are of fiction and not meant to be real or taken as fact or experience, but, you know, that it caters to fantasies. But the problem is that it is fiction, of course, is going to be reached by and explored by younger audiences, which can have an impact on sort of their perceptions going into intimate relationships as they grow up. But ultimately, what we would like to say is the raunchy power hour is that this is not really for us to comment, comment on at this time. Um, nor should we, but it does bring up questions, I think, regarding an artist's responsibility for the audiences the art reaches and whether or not they should be designated, there should be designated literary spaces for traumatic content. But we'll leave that for you to ponder over over some crackers and some wine. I don't have either of those, so I can't do that. But I think what is suitable for us to comment on, Sydney, is perhaps the It Ends With Us coloring book. Have you heard about this? Oh, I got so <laughs> mad when I heard about that. I was like, oh, no. Okay. No, I'm not going to say the joke that I saw on TikTok because it was really dark. Oh, no. We are an explicit podcast. It deals with making a joke about domestic abuse, so I don't know if I should. Understood. Understood. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I got upset with that because I was just like, this is an inherently... From what I've heard, pretty violent book in domestic violence against someone else. So I don't know what there is to color in. You know, 
It's okay. I think she realized that as well because the coloring book is not is not in production. She changed it, her it mind. It don't exist. Yeah, it's which a, yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. Good idea. But now that we've tackled the it ends with us controversy, there are other books in Hoover's growing catalog that have also received some backlash and none other is one such as November 9th. I'm about to give it some more backlash. bring it on um all right so kind of going so before we go into my full-on rant about this piece of literature um i'm gonna go into some book background information so originally the book was published on november 10th 2015 and i thought it was kind of funny that it was not published on november 9th itself Um, cause it's like literally in the name, but that's fine. And so, but Hoover is one of the best selling, is a best selling author, obviously, cause we've kind of talked about her infamy within book talk and all other parts of the internet. Um, and then I did find out while I was reading, uh, the back of this book that there is a review by none other than Anna Todd, AKA the author of after, <laughs> um, And it reads here. I'll actually read it since it's right here. November 9 is another breathtaking novel by Colleen Hoover that's full of blushing, gushing, and heartache. I don't know what blushing and gushing she was feeling. I loved every page and breathed in every beautiful word, and I puked them all up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's like a baby bird type situation over here. Thank you, Anna. Mommy. Thank you, mommy. Uh, But then, so I did actually check and we'll probably do this from now on is I'll bring up um, what our average reviews on Goodreads and Storygraph are. So on Goodreads, out of 882,066 reviews, we have an average of 4.19 for November 9th. And then on Storygraph, we have an average of four from 50,223. Obviously, less people are on Storygraph, but guys, if you're not on Storygraph, you should. It's a really great app to track your reading. I I love it. Um, But kind of going into there, we actually also, I wanted to bring up some book background information based off of YouTuber Whitney Atkinson tweeted, no, X, We need to throw that logo away. I hate the updated logo. Um, A photo of a passage from one of Hoover's. So from the book, November 9th, which a character actually like considers using physical force to prevent his love interest from exiting a vehicle, as well as attempting to emotionally manipulate her to staying with him. I remember this scene. But there's also many more of them. But further screenshots show uh, the character blocking the door to prevent his love interest from leaving and forcibly taking her car keys to get her to stay. And all of these are abusive actions that are meant to like kind of control the victim. And kind of that is kind of brings back into some of the controversy from it ends with us and some of that behavior, which is kind of worrisome, especially when targeted towards a young younger audience. But we'll kind of like get into that as we go and then last but wait why do we have november 9th edited version nightclub scene 
that was that was something I was going to tell both of you. I didn't. I wanted to say oh. from the spoilers. Ashlyn may know oh. this. I don't know how deep your Colleen Hoover knowledge runs, but I did a little <laughs> bit of internet sleuthing on November nine controversies, and I stumbled across some notes on the internet where the version that we have read is most likely not the original published version of November nine. Very quickly after November nine was published and hit the shelves. It actually had to be edited due to a very specific scene that'll come much later in the book, most likely part two of our review, where an exchange between the main characters, I will, I will refrain from spoiling as much as possible, but an interaction between two main characters that gets rather steamy and a nightclub in the original version is a little more coercive than it's written in our present version. And that it's very much giving, how do I put this politely? Your body says yes, but your mouth says no. So. Uh, oh, no. Yes. I don't have any of the original text of what that looks like, but that seems to be the consensus uh, with November 9th in its current iteration that we are reading a watered down version of the original text. See, I'm trying to double check because I got my copy secondhand. So I'm trying to double check too. and see. Okay. Did you find it, Ashlyn? In all fairness, I did not reread this for this specific episode because I'd only read it like a few months ago. And so I was really going to fly off vibes for the most part. Guys, I think I have a first edition. <laughs> Possibly. I will say that she did change the cover art. And I believe we have the most recent cover art, like the, the okay. palm tree looking flower. The dusty yeah. flower. Yeah. Yeah. I'll double check because I. The scene is bad either way. Don't get me wrong. But there is. Yeah, one... no, it's awful. <laughs> Ashlyn has the original cover. <laughs> so I have the original cover. Okay, no, I don't have the I don't have an, an OG. Please hold while I check. Okay. Granted, again, uh, I don't know what the original scene looks like, so I, I may not remember clearly what our version said, but either way, it's an icky scene. There's just one scene that's more ickier than the current version. Just another yuck to add on top of the pile of yucks. <laughs> yuck. 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 Oh, I'm also sorry. Did I read into your part by accident? No, you're good. Oh, oh okay. Sounds good. Ashton, would you like us to keep going while you search and then we can pause and refine it? Oh, yeah. All right. But now that we've sort of tackled some of the controversies and Ashlyn is currently doing her research to verify my, my harbinger of bad news claims. Um, <laughs> with all of this being said, uh, we noted as a little bit earlier, all of us have different levels of exposure and familiarity with Colleen Hoover prior to this book review. And you know, of all the books we reviewed so far, the re this review of November 9 pretty much has the most potential for us to have biased opinions, just simply due to our awareness of Hoover's controversies and novels and material in the past. And while we obviously will try our best to be completely impartial, it is also equally important to note the potential to be swayed. And because Crimson Rogue, who I would literally lay on the pavement and die for respectfully, love him to death, literally one of my favorite booktubers, uh, recently posted in his review on November 9th, basically putting it best, saying, quote, if you go into a book with the intent of finding fault with it, then your review is going to be tainted by that mindset. You cannot judge that book by any balanced metrics and your review should have an asterisk by it. But whether or not we liked Hoover before this book, we can all agree that this book is pretty shit. <laughs> it's pretty objectively yeah. bad. <laughs> 
But I believe. Oh, Ashlyn, do we have a verdict? This is not for that. I'm sorry. I'm getting there. Um, I was going to say that to protect us from the Colleen Hoover girlies, I am a Colleen Hoover stan. I have read almost every single one of her books. I'm like short, like six of them right now. Um, I love Colleen Hoover books. I did not enjoy this book. So to protect us from the Colleen Hoover girlies, I am one of you, I promise. From the cohort. <laughs> the coho president. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'll also say too, I am not a fan of this book. And if you like this book, this is not an indication of us like trying to shit on you or what you like to read and all of that. Or like saying you're a, like a bad person for reading this, obviously, or enjoying it. Like, obviously you're not. We're all going to have different opinions. But my opinion is that this book is shit. <laughs> I think Ashley, before we recorded, I love this book in the same way that you would love to just like sit and like rubberneck to a car wreck. You can't really look away and you'll tell yeah. your family about it later, just depending on how like scarring that car wreck was to look at. Th I love this in that similar way. And it was very reminiscent of Tumblr core from my formative yes. years. Yes. Well, I also think it's kind of trauma bonding in a way because <laughs> I've been talking to my therapist a lot about this and she's just like, what? <laughs> Tell your therapist about November 9. She loves it. She wants updates on this all the time. She's like, you, you guys are kind of like watching bad television and then talking about it. And you know what? That is a form of therapy. <laughs> Even though you kind of have to suffer a bit through it in the first place. And I was like, you're right. You're right. Um, I didn't make it into grad school, but I'm doing fake therapy on a podcast. <laughs> So, I have an answer. In a Reads review, someone did a very detailed list regarding how they feel about the book. One of the points is regarding them being drunk making out in a storage closet where Ben initiates bundling in general. Just general fool tomfoolery. Um, Fallon is hesitant but complies. He starts to touch her and she tells him, quote, stop, her voice louder than it's been all night. Um, and doesn't stop. And he says, I'm trying, ask me again. He does not stop. Colleen, who so so this person posted this review. Um, and after this person posted this review, Colleen Hoover responded with a video on her Facebook that has since been removed that says that she will be editing the book and taking that entire scene out. And that was in 2017. Uh, whenever this person updated the, the Goodreads review, I should say, was updated in 2017. I know when the book was published. <laughs> um, Did I read the original version? <laughs> Did I read the original version? Woman, she, I'm actually looking back real quick. Yeah, she may have taken out the line of like, I'm trying to ask me again, but everything else in that I read. Yeah, let me let me look. Now that I have actual quotes, I can probably try to find it. <laughs> it's an ad break by Lauren where she's going to sing an impromptu version of November 9. <laughs> I got it. Okay, so 
Um, so I don't know how many pages you guys have in your book. Mine's 320 on my Kindle. So my page is about 215 if you're looking for it. Um, so I'm going to a storage room. Oh, mine is the original. Stop, I tell him my voice louder than it's been all night, thanks to the distance from the music. His hand is right back where it was before. Forcing my eyes shut like it would even make a difference in here. I'm trying, he whispers, threading the hand that isn't up my skirt through the strands of my hair. He grips the nape of my neck and says, ask me again. No, I have the edited version. I'm not edited. Gross. I was fairly certain that that was in my book. Okay, I'm not crazy. No, oh. you're not. I've read 15 calling over books this year. I'm a little crazy. That's okay. Um, right. On that note, let's introduce our characters. Well, I will be introducing our characters in the fashion that I believe Shakespeare would have introduced his characters because these are clearly of equivalent literature prowess. Of course. Enter stage right. Fallon, who is our main character the ripe age of 18 who will be following throughout this book she's the female protagonist love interest and a little bit of a doormat i'm sorry honey interstage left benton james kessler why do i know his full name because he's pretentious enough to sign off every half-assed poetry with his full name bjk also also who the fuck (laughs) names their kid benton kessler someone that hates their child (laughs) I'm sorry, every Benton Kessler out there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Enter stage left, Ben. He was a little bit of a self-proclaimed alpha male, a little bit pretentious, and a pretty shit writer. Then we have enter stage center. I don't know. We have Donovan, who is Fallon's dickwad of a dad. Then we have enter stage diagonal, Kyle who is Benton James Kessler's brother, Kyle Kessler, I presume, who is fine, but likes to punch his siblings. And we have Ian, interstage, other diagonal, who is also Ben's other brother, who's like a pilot. And that's kind of all you know about Ian. And then last but not least, perhaps my favorite character for reasons we'll get into. Interstage bottom. Jordan, with a Y. Who is Ben's sister-in-law, and that's all you need to know. Ben's sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. All right. Yep. Cut <laughs> sister-in-law. <laughs> Shakespeare. I hope you're proud. <laughs> yes, Ashlyn. So the the pilot, and that's all you need to know, um, is a direct reference to another Colleen Hoover book called uh, Ugly Love. Um where so later on you actually meet the characters from ugly love in this book coho is is building an extended universe it's the only time she does it that i know of is an ugly love Uh, i'm fairly certain yes i know i think i think ashlyn you told me that two of the characters are from ugly love yeah, so I did. So two of the so two characters that we will talk about later on are in Lung- Ugly Love. Um, the main male love interest in Ugly Love is childhood's best friends with Ian Kessler. We wanted to make a world where Benton James Kessler is a pervasive and continuous entity. Yep. 
I'm sick. <laughs> it's kind of like what E.L. James did with <laughs> the mister. Oh, they are one and the same. They are. They are. Well, it. didn't you? Well, they're besties. <laughs> besties for the resties. Ah, we love it. <laughs> okay, starting the book now. <laughs> Going into so all of these are kind of broken up into parts. So we've got uh, the first November 9th and so on and so forth. Um, I am going to refer to these as like chapters and then I'll be like the end of the first November or the second November uh, so that it just makes sense. So our, our scene begins and opens with with Fallon sitting in a restaurant with her asshole of a father. Now some background for oh. Fallon is that oh. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. Am I allowed to read the poetry? Oh, oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, Lauren has a piece of poetry. <laughs> sorry. sorry, I've been written waiting by, all day for this. Different by none other than the alpha male himself, Benton Kessler. <laughs> I am translucent, aquatic, drifting, aimless. She is an anchor sinking in my sea. Benton James Kessler. They no fucking sense, but okay. <laughs> don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. I do not understand. Anyway, our scene opens. We've got Fallon sitting with her dad in a restaurant, and her dad is being an asshole. So, for background, Fallon was in a horrific fire accident um, where about 30% of her body was burned and she has some scarring on her left side, I believe is what she says. And November 9th is actually the two-year anniversary from when she was in that horrific accident. So Fallon used to be on a TV show and she was fired from it because of her appearance, which is unfortunate. And her relationship with her father basically crumbled because of it, because that was the only thing that really kept them connected as father and daughter. So these past few years, Fallon's been doing some voice acting and doing stuff like that. And now she is just announcing to her father that she is moving to New York to pursue Broadway. And he tells her, I'm having a baby with another woman. And she gets upset because he's like, well, yeah, get another chance to be a father. And she's just like, well, why can't you be that for me? <laughs> uh, daddy issues galore. Um, and so because of the whole fire incident, Fallon is very, very, very insecure. Um, and basically her dad also just like isn't acknowledging that it's the anniversary so all around not not a great time so she gets up and goes to the restroom and she's upset and as she's walking back she looks and there's an unkept man uh sitting in the booth staring at her and he won't stop looking at her and he and he just keeps staring and Literally, I wrote down, I have a little tab in my thing that just says convenience for convenience sake. 
because things just keep happening, <laughs> keep happening. Because literally the line before she's like, no guy looks at me anymore. It's so strange. And that's literally next page. This man won't stop staring at me. It's so strange. Um, so then she sits back down with her dad and then they start arguing. She tells him that she's moving to New York and he's just like, that won't work. Uh, Cause he's basically like, you're ugly. Black. <laughs> Uh, and then Ben decides to slide in next to Fallon and goes, hey, babe, <laughs> and pretends to be Fallon's boyfriend just to piss off her dad. Um, and then her dad leaves. <laughs> and that's the introduction <laughs> into our love interest, Ben, for the first time. What did you think, Lauren? Uh-huh. Of it all, or just <laughs> the first chapter? There's just the okay. first chapter. Oh boy, whoosh, <laughs> whoosh indeed. You know, I actually thought this chapter had a strong start. I mean, the visual depictors of like Fallon, it was very much like tell, don't show. Like Colleen was actually doing a really good job with that out the gate of like you know, oh, it made me wonder why is Fallon pissed? Who is this sitting across from her? What's going on? And then it kind of started to crumble when her line was like, what was it? It was like bearing, or what was it? Like, cursplooshing in someone's vagina, thou does not make a father not. However, she said that and I was like, alright, oh, yeah, this is going to be a ride. Uh, she said ejaculating into someone else doesn't exactly make you a father. It was just the way she said it. I was like, yes, it's grammatically correct. But what 18 year old talks like this? I'm sorry. I, that's another tab I have. It's literally people don't talk like this. <laughs> that's exactly it. I actually think Hoover mm -hmm. is a pretty talented writer at times. Like technically, I think it's the it's the characters that kind of like crush it for me because the dialogue yes. and their actions are so warped unrealistic and yes. unhealthy at best <laughs> yes and also the fact that they're 18 years old and i was like i never used this language when i was 18 <laughs> years old no all i cared about was my instagram and nothing else problem <laughs> beautiful <laughs> it's a problem oh so continuing <laughs> <laughs> yes please <laughs> uh so on to chapter two i just wrote <laughs> into this oh my god we switch pov because <laughs> i did not want to read his pov i did not want to <laughs> and then unfortunately we were subjected to this for the rest of the fucking book was the switching of povs into bends god i hate him anyway so we open with Ben sitting still in the booth where Fallon has just left to go back to the bathroom to cry a little bit more because she's sad about her dad um, being an asshole. Um, he orders her food because, again, convenience for convenience sake, because she's literally in the next chapter is just like, why did you order me food? I, I was hungry. And he's just like, just thought it'd be nice. And I was like, OK, fine. Anyway, so. I just wrote, <laughs> OMG, Ben, you're not like other boys. You're into nuns, LOL, because of the whole comment about how covered up Fallon is and how he's like, that's like even more enticing. Anyway, I should give an actual <laughs> synopsis of this chapter real quick. So Fallon goes back into the bathroom. Ben sits in the booth contemplating his decision 
of like why he felt the need to jump in um and she comes back and they have like this weird conversation where she literally is just like asking this man like random ass questions about being like i i wish i wait let me look it was like what would you do on like what would you be your, your last meal or stuff like that to a complete stranger yeah and it was like also interlaced between like bbc's sherlock holmes type commentary of like you slept in the same shirt from last night there's a mustard stain on and you seem like the type that wouldn't have done this blah, blah, blah. And i was like somebody likes the bbc channel yes i just went i just wrote down oh so when you play a detective on tv show you know how to be detective <laughs> exactly i was like all right and then she never does it again too yeah i know and i was just like <laughs> i wish she would kept doing it and then it would make sense the grossest lines came from this man during this chapter well some of them it was the beginning of the i did not like this was the moment in which i knew i would hate ben for the rest of this book um because he says da, 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 da. I'm trying to find it because it was so gross and it was also iconic. Oh, okay. We get the iconic introduction into, so they go out to Froyo and then he only gets toppings and she gets yogurt because they're both quirky. (laughs) Uh, She's insecure and thinks he's flirting with her like out of pity. And she gives like her background on the TV show and all of that. Um, and he's a big creep because we get the talk of, and she was like, what did you think the first time you saw me? And he goes, do you want to know what I actually thought? She goes, yeah. And he was like, I was thinking of what underwear you were wearing and trying to figure out what you were wearing under there. Um, like literally word for word. Here we go. I stared at your ass the whole time while you were stomping away and I couldn't help but wonder what kind of panties you were had on. And that's all I thought about the entire time you were in the restroom were you a thong girl were you going commando because i didn't see an outline of your jeans that hinted you were wearing normal panties i got so grossed out but then but then then he doubles down because literally less than a page later we get I was relieved, I tell her, because I could tell with that one simple movement that you were really insecure. And I realized, since you obviously had no idea how fucking beautiful you were, that it just might actually have a chance with you. And I was I was just like, oh, no, he's so predatory. Like, I literally, instead of spending the rest of the day with him, I would have pepper sprayed him and like run and put out an Amber Alert or something. And cells be like, it's where was his fedora? That was the only thing that was missing. <laughs> a hundred percent a hundred percent and it it's not suave it's not cool just being like oh well you're so insecure so i figured i have a chance with you it's like <laughs> it's it's because these guys know that they don't have any redeemable qualities traits etc to earn someone that has confidence because someone who has confidence can very easily like know their worth and pave a life for themselves that they are very exactly. deserving of been James Kessler could never. He no. needs someone insecure because no one else yeah. would put up with this bullshit. A hundred percent. And 
it just gets worse from here because she invites him to then go help her pack because he thinks he's quote unquote funny because remember she's moving to New York and I just wrote down and I am left with questions like how did this get published and (laughs) so going on to chapter three Chapter three, we go back into Fallon's POV. I hate you, Lauren. I hate you for that meme. <laughs> I'm sending gifts as we record based on Ben for the audience. <laughs> uh, no, don't you mean? Yeah. And then this is when we found out his name is Benton. And I just said his name is Benton. And she still wants to fuck him because she's insecure. Good Lord. <laughs> Benton. Oh, Benton. Oh, so Benton. good, Benton. I'm so sorry to all the Bentons out there, but I'm also not. Is it also bad that throughout this entire book, whenever like I kept reading Fallon and I just thought of Jimmy Fallon? Okay, but that's so real though, because that's the first thing that I read and I was like, you might as well be like, you know, Galaxy, Glacier, Galadriel, but like a talk yeah. show host. Exactly, exactly. So they go to Fallon's and he meets her. He meets Fallon's roommate and her boyfriend. And he's really disgusting because he's just like, yeah, I'm going to go see what panty she has underneath there. And I just went, what? What good friend would allow this type of man to go into the other friend's room? What the fuck? I was, I was like totally shocked. Like, again, people don't talk like this. Listeners, if you ever have a man who says, who screams out into the, the room about trying to figure out what panties you have on underneath, run. I was literally reading this and being like, what episode of My Hero Academia Mineta am I watching? Because this is absurd. <laughs> this is an yeah. anime trope, ma'am. Yeah, this is, it's... It's very early 2000s fan fiction. And hey Lauren. people. Lauren, what anime are you watching, babe? <laughs> oh, context I- with the nerds at home. My Hero Academia, there is a student in the classroom. He has the powers of throwing a grape. Don't ask. He like has balls that look like grapes that he could throw for his body. His whole character arc is being a pervert. And he's all the time trying to peep on the girls in the class and like wondering about panties and yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go crawl in my sad, nerdy hole again. Girls, don't fall for guys who only think about panties. Now, he can go fuck a Victoria's Secret's mannequin if he really wants them that bad. (laughs) Anyway, so Ben decides to make a reservation at a restaurant uh, because, yeah, he wants to take her out on a date because they realize, oh... Yeah, I guess we're not going to know each other very long, so we we should go do this and like have a proper dinner date. And then we get to the first kind of controlling and very weird thing that okay, Ben is just a bad dude character in general. But this is when we start getting into his really controlling and disgusting behavior. So basically, he just he requests that Fallon wear a very specific dress. And he and she confesses that 
it makes her uncomfortable because, you know, she has scars on her body, which she's insecure about, which I was like, that's valid. And he forcefully undresses her while she is crying her eyes out. And then he puts the dress on her and she opens her eyes. And this is meant to be like a sweet slash sexy scene. And I was so thoroughly disgusted by a man she's only known by a couple hours feeling like he had the audacity to do this. No man should ever do this to anyone. Especially someone that you've only met in a couple hours. As if it can't get any worse. I think what even Mm -hmm. like up to the ick factor for me was like in the lines leading up to this scene, they're like discussing going to a fancy dinner and then granted it was a joke, but it's still very misogynistic and weird. So I don't think that excuses it. Says something akin to the fact of like, oh, if I'm paying for dinner, I get to choose the view that I'm looking at in reference to the dress he wants her to wear. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent that. And then do you remember what he says after he puts a dress on her? He goes red and she like looks down. She goes, the dress is black. And he goes, your panties were red. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I wrote down, what is this man's obsession with panties? I also hate the word panties. <laughs> Sir, please do not look at my red knickers. They please are... Do not, do not oh. look at my undergarments, sir. My, my, my pantaloons. <laughs> I hate it. Oh God. Um, so then yeah, he rushes, um, she makes him leave so he can go take a shower. Um, and then as he leaves, he announces to Fallon's roommate and Fallon's roommate's boyfriend that Fallon was wearing red panties. Chapter five. Four. Damn it. Remember everyone, this was meant this is meant to be our male love address. We're meant to love him. We're meant to like him. uh ben showers and he talks to his brother kyle uh and kyle's like where were you last night and i don't know where he was because they never actually really come back to that where was ben where wait where was ben last night they actually do (gasps) oh wait right 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 whoops no you're good we won't talk about it yet suspense so then so then he shows up to back to fallon's place 55 minutes before he is meant to be there which i think so being that early to something i I think is is extremely rude especially if you're a lady because we we have to get ready (laughs) and if a guy just randomly shows up at my door i'm like i'm not ready you said this time you're showing up at it's the first date and he's like he like even acknowledges it in his head like he knows that she's probably yes. not ready yet and he knows that he's early but like he doesn't care because he wants to like maximize his time with her i'm like let the girl get a shower in peace yeah exactly well then yeah he's just like oh and they're like then he shows back up to the apartment the roommate opens the door and he's like where is she and he she's like she's in the shower and he goes oh maybe i should go help and i'm like Ew! Then Fallon's like, no, come in, because she heard him. So 
he opens the door he goes in she's wearing the dress and she has her hair up and he's just like ooh sexy um and then while she's getting ready actually he's reading one of her romance books which he thought was not like good because you know romance is just for females it's not actual literature but then he gets pulled in and i'm like yeah no shit dumbass romance is actually really good (laughs) it's better than anything you'll ever write benton hey benton benton you will not make the next lord of the rings or catcher in the rye you know (laughs) i'm about to be so transparent right now this is relevant, I promise. I, I am dressed in comfy clothes for this recording, pants of which are pajama pants that I've worn a couple of nights in a row, right? I am gross. I'm goblin gross. and it's fine. I noticed there was something like poking out of my pants leg and I was like, that's really weird. What's stuffed in there? I pull out a pair of panties. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They're not red, but... <laughs> Ben was in my room last night. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to interrupt. I honestly, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if Ben was a panty sniffer or a guy who would like go through (laughs) a girl's like drawer just to like find it. And then take him home as trophies. A hundred percent. A hundred (laughs) percent. He could have this pair. I don't need them. (laughs) God. Oh, but yeah, he's reading a romance book and he's like, wow, this is actually really good. <laughs> uh, then they talk about how Fallon, like, how Fallon has made a rule for herself because her mom gave her advice and told her that she shouldn't fall in love until she's 23 years old. And listeners, do you want to know the reason why you shouldn't fall in love until you're 23 years old? Because according to Fallon's mother, that's when most of us get our shit together and i just went can't age myself no i can't either because i am currently 23 and i do not have my shit together thank you very much we are closer to 24 than 23 i know and we we still don't (laughs) i do not have my life together like i i honestly have the opposite of my life together i have an idea (laughs) so you guys are old yeah we are it's okay we were born in the 1900s. <laughs> Back in my day. Back in my day. I actually don't remember when the Y2K thing happened because I was but a wee infant. <laughs> Back in my day, they didn't write fan fiction about panty sniffers. We just lived next to them. They were our neighbors. Back in my day, I had to go onto the websites that you used to play Club Penguin with and find out all the things in which I could get banned for if I said him. Back in my day, I had to name my puffles cuss words with a bunch of letters and numbers that would help it be censored so that I could get my puffles to be edgy and different. Back in my day, <laughs> I, only, I only got the most exclusive of webkins. And I went geode hunting every day. Welcome to the Curious Shop. Focus. <laughs> I'm what you're looking for. 
Lord, we just aged ourselves so much. It's because we're mature and we have our shit together. <laughs> obviously, I obviously have my shit together. <laughs> uh, and then they just fall asleep. <laughs> chapter five. Now we're at chapter five. They wake up and he's like, shit. We wasted a lot of our time together. And she's like, yeah, I got to go to the airport, dude. So. They like go out into the hallway after Fallon's like changed into like her outfit that she's going to wear to the airport. And they kiss. A lot in the hallway um, of her room, at, like into like the shared living area. And it was really weird because I was like, could have done the makeout sesh in the room, but it's OK. And then they st- her roommate catches them making out and is like, get a room. And then they continue to make out in the hallway in front of them. It's giving high school. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And then Ben offers to drive Fallon to the airport. And her fucking roommate lets him. And I'm like, why? Why? They've known each other for less than six hours. This man will kidnap her. It's fucking LA. (laughs) But they're sad as he takes her to the airport. And they agree to do this dumbass meet once a year thing. They meet every year. On the same day, November 9th, and they will meet at the restaurant next year where they first met. They will not share each other's socials. They blocked each other and they will not have each other's numbers. So they cannot look up. And this is literally straight up taken from two better instances of this story in movies. And I'm just like. It's fine. It's fine. If I just imagine it's Tom Hanks and Sleepless in Seattle, everything will be okay. If I just remember that, it'll be fine. So they agreed to do that. And they both have, quote unquote, homework for each other. His is to read a certain number of romance books. And for her, he gives her that she has to date five different men. And then go out on auditions every week. So people, quote unquote, laugh at her. Um, and then she has to make out with three of them, I think is what he says. And I'm just like, this is so fucking gross. And he does it in the way of like saying like, oh, well, so then she can live out what 18 year olds need to do, you know? And I'm just like, but not every 18 year old is okay with going out and making out with a bunch of guys, like random people. Yeah. Me too, Lauren. Yeah. Pointing at myself. I'm not cool with that. So He drops her off. Then she's like walking to the airport, like kind of sad. And she like is about to go through security. And then he slow-mos just the way. And like slow-mos runs to her and like gives her a kiss. And then they're trying to figure out how he's trying to figure out how he can make the kiss a 10. I guess. Uh, But yeah. That is the end of the first November 9th. Lauren, what did what did you think of the first November 9th?
I was trying to find a gif, but I could not find one. <sighs> I I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think at this point, I didn't understand the ride that we were in for. I thought I did. I thought that this was going to be a bit like some of our other bad reads for the podcast in which it would just be a badly written romance in which there's no real chemistry between the characters. The writing's iffy. You know, I'm a little bit irked with some of the dialogue and the actions that are taking place and like haha funny jokes. At this point, I was not yet hooked. I was not in the midst of the car wreck. I was mm-hmm. in the, I could put this down and never look at it again and be satiated for the rest of my life, especially during the airport scene. I literally felt yeah. bile rise into my mouth. Um, like, me too, me too. <laughs> I literally, as someone, maybe this may be me, as someone that just like despises public, huge public displays of like affection and, and you know, what it gives me dick real bad. Real bad. I was like, sir, there's a line. This is Delta, sir. Also, also they're probably at LAX, which is extremely busy. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. I also, I also think big public displays of affection can be kind of gross. But what made it grosser to me throughout this whole thing is like these two individuals have known each other for less than 12 hours. Like they do not know each other. And yet they're acting like they're these long forsaken lovers who are set to be apart. And I just I don't see it. I don't understand why Fallon would like him. I would be despise. I would despise him and be absolutely terrified of this man yes no like literally the first november 9th was very reminiscent of like a high school boyfriend that i saw for like a few months that literally by the end of our relationship was like calling me a sociopath and like blackmailing me and all this ish and literally my like it's it's like forensic files type stuff and i'm like Mm -hmm. but we idolize benton james kessler what a king and i think what gave me the most ick was throughout this entire section you can start seeing the love bombing which he puts on to fallon and i mean this type of behavior wouldn't will not last forever within a relationship like that's just not feasible so the fact that they are only meeting in these couple hour periods and yeah you could definitely see him being maybe funny maybe caring but that is not who this man is for the rest of the fucking year and it it, he's created this idea of fallon in his own head and she has an idea of him and that that whole thing will fall apart and that's the whole thing which like freaks me out about this whole book and their quote-unquote romance it's not romance (laughs) um is the love bombing and just like how unhealthy their relationship is because you can definitely tell that he think he has power in this relationship because of violence and security yes and it's the fact that he like says so from the beginning of like 100 
I don't know. I don't know. I it's okay because starting in the second November 9th, I was like glued. <laughs> well then, would you like to read our second poem? Oh, you know I would. Her tears in my soul, they live parallel lives. Run, ache, burn, repeat. Her tears in my soul, they live parallel lives. It's in James Kessler. I hate this. I hate this man. If this were a tipsy fanfic night, I'd be drinking. But it is not, unfortunately. <laughs> I almost bought alcohol just for the sake of it. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I regret that choice. Oh, also, apparently he wrote that in third grade. He says that in the opening chapter. He goes, oh, yeah, I wrote this in the third grade. And my mom saw it. I never showed it to anyone else. Liar. Liar. I did not know what the word parallel meant in third grade. I'm sorry. Can't even fucking spell it. But I'm also dyslexic. So. <laughs> So it's a year later, Ben is sitting at the restaurant where they met and Fallon ends up being two hours late um, because of some flight issues. And so the only reason Ben knows this is because an employee from the yogurt place that they went to before um, basically like runs into the restaurant because she doesn't have his number. So she like calls that place to go get him. Uh, and they meet at his house. I just wrote, I just wrote, they met, they met at his, oh, they met at his, his house. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I wrote. Um, and then they have the longest hug in history and it's just way too long. And this is where we get the beginning of alpha male Ben, because apparently he's been on internet forums learning about what alpha males are. And how to be more like tough and be more like that uh, in in books. And <laughs> I also wrote down, I just went, wait, were alpha males a thing in 2015? Because I was like thinking about it and I was like, I have never heard of an alpha male until it kind of came more popular, like in 2018. So I wonder if it was like an addition in the 2017 yeah so i actually i my partner was visiting me while i was reading this book and again just like a train wreck he was also invested by proxy i actually Mm -hmm. asked him that same question i was like or was like alpha and beta a thing and he said like yes but not just like as Uh, mainstream because by the time we sort of got a hold of it in 2018 it became more of like an ironic thing but alpha male used to be like a genuine thing that like gym bros and like men used to subscribe to also i have a sub theory in which it stems from the very lovely subsection of fan fiction alpha and omega wolf like warrior cats type (laughs) no I also did write it down. Is Ben an alpha man? No, he beta. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, you're already an asshole, Ben. No need to fake it. Because he's just like, I gotta fake to be an asshole. I'm like, there's no need. You're already one. Wow, method acting. Doing great for you, man. 
Anyway, <laughs> chapter seven. We go back to Fallon's point of view. Uh, so they're at his house and they go and hang out in his room. But she can tell that he's like a little upset about her being late and he's like being pouty and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, not her fault. I get that you were like looking forward to it. Can't blame her. Can't blame her on that issue. <laughs> and then we get to a really cringy part where they start making out and he's like, sorry, I can't really be an alpha. And she asks if he's booksting her. Which I had no fucking clue what that was. Apparently, it's when guys turn to act more like guys in books. And it's kind of like sexting. And Lauren, I now have a question for you. Have you ever been booksted? Respectfully, I would rather die. <laughs> no. Well, okay, you wouldn't question. like a you wouldn't like a guy having his arms above his head, like in the door frame, just going, "Hey, baby girl." I, I have to ask a follow up question. Do we think booksting is performing these acts with the knowledge? that they are for the female gaze as written in romance novels, or is it just like by coincidence is a thing that a male protagonist would do in a romance novel? I'm going to go with uh, door number one. Then I have not. And I hope to never be boosted <laughs> in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be pushed up against a wall and just goes, who hurt you? <laughs> I'll kill them. I'm not going to say what's going through my mind. <laughs> not very PG-13 thoughts. <laughs> well, this, this is not a PG-13 podcast. This is an explicit podcast. We do have the 18 plus rating. Yeah, so. <laughs> you don't have to. We'll move on. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Have you ever been booked <laughs> Uh, not that I know of. <laughs> My partner is happy, though, sometimes when I read <laughs> romance. <laughs> Care to explain? <laughs> nope. That's all I'll okay. say. Okay. <laughs> um, so they're like making out in his room. And he won't let her read anything that he's written. And then they keep like making out and he makes a point to like kiss, kiss her scars, which is so fucking gross, especially when uh, when we get to another point of the book. Um, but it's kind of like a fetish thing. Like it seems to me personally, like it's just really, really gross. And I actually wrote something down because this is also going into controlling slash nasty behavior. And I wrote down forcing herself on top of her to give her a pep talk isn't sexy, right? Because he like forces himself to be like, Fallon, you're so fucking beautiful and sexy. And I don't understand why you can't see that. Again, she is crying her eyes out with this man laying on top of her. 
but he's being very love bomby and being very controlling, which is why I like I was really turned off by this man. Um, like Fallon is a person, not surprised to be one. She's allowed to feel traumatized by a traumatic event and um shitty pep talks, like they don't help. These big romantic gestures, like you're so fucking beautiful. I don't understand why you can't see that, is actually more damaging. It's not a it's not a morale booster. It's not sexy. It's not something you should be looking for. And then yeah, uh he keeps making points to kiss her scars because apparently one of the guys she made out with like purposely wouldn't kiss like that side of her face or something. And then um the future sister-in-law barges in um and Fallon meets the family. And they're all just kind of like hanging out downstairs for a bit because you find out that uh Kyle and Jordan are getting married uh tomorrow. Where's the next day? Yeah, tomorrow. They're getting married tomorrow. And they're like getting all the stuff done. And Ian comes in, which is the brother. And then the couple from the other book comes in. No. Oh, is it now? Yeah, it is. Um, I don't remember their names. I did write them down. Give me just a moment. Um, it's Miles and Tate. Their names are Miles and Tate. It's Miles, Miles and Tate. Yep, mm-hmm. they come in. From Ugly Love, Miles and Tate. Yep. Thanks, cohort representative Ashlyn. Thank you. The reference, this is post-Ugly Love, so like the stuff that happens in Ugly Love, and then this book. Great. Um, moment, I lost my place because I got angry. Oh, here we go. I found, I found it. Um, and they're kind of like all talking, and then Kyle shows up, and he's just like, who's this girl? And Ben's like, my girlfriend, which is weird because they're not boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, but then they walk away for a bit, like Kyle and Ben, and then Ben gets punched. Which honestly, I wished I had done it. Uh, it, it was like one of those things that came out of like legit nowhere. Like we know nothing of Kyle at this point in time. And then he just like, and it's not like a playful like sibling punch. It is like a full on like bruising to the face punch. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I was just like, I know we get the reason later. It still doesn't make sense in the moment. And still doesn't. None of it makes sense and how it was set up anyway. Uh, so yeah, so that's how the scene ends, <laughs> and then we go on to the next chapter, <laughs> where so Fallon decides to kind of like help Ben out with his eye, um, and he won't tell her why he got punched. Um, so they decide to go to the beach and do their date there. Um, and Ben promises to her that Kyle isn't really a bad guy; he just has a bad but then he gives like a bad exemplary story as an example about how ben was bullied as a kid and his brother wouldn't stand up for him in school and he was like he was just trying to teach me how to fight my own battles and i was like he's being a shitty brother (laughs) like he's okay fine whatever um and then she reveals to uh, ben that she hasn't actually spoken to her father in in a year 
since the last November 9th. And and she also explains to Ben what the importance of November 9th means to her, which is the anniversary of the fire that caused her to have these scars. Um, and at one point, I laughed because um, Fallon and Ben are talking and he's like, well, what makes a good romance book? And she just went angst. That's what makes a good romance book. And I just wrote, oh, angst. Wow. So surprising. <laughs> and I just went, Hoover, you just. It's really sweet to smell like a fan fiction up in here. Uh-huh. But then I was also just like, so you just. You, oh, what's. You just spoiled your own book, Colleen Hoover. I already knew angst was coming. Foreshadowing. There's a difference. I'm kidding. No. (laughs) There's a difference between foreshadowing and just straight up being like, there's gonna be angst. (laughs) It's like foreshadowing is like opening the door a little bit to like give a peek of what's inside and then shutting it. And then there's banging you in the head with the door and being like, this is the rest of the book. Yeah, basically. Um, I was actually going to ask you, Lauren, do you did you have any conclusions on to or reasons to why you thought Ben got punched? I had thought at this point I had talked with my partner about this. We were spitballing theories back and forth. I was thinking that if Hoover was like playing this really smart, that it would be an unreliable narrator type situation of like Ben being a like maybe i don't know like even like memory loss type thing like i was thinking like he never stated where he was the night before the first november night and mm-hmm. i was thinking like maybe it was like we don't know what he did he doesn't remember it there's even a part and i can't remember if it's in the second november night doesn't super matter he even says quote it might have been a manic episode i don't remember mm-hmm. what it's in relation to and in my mind i was like oh actually wait like what could this be a character that actually like has diagnosed like bipolar that actually be an interesting representation to like talk about no he just said manic episode as a buzzword because he's pretentious and thinks it sounds cool um yep yeah there's no evidence that he has any formal diagnoses of the sort but anyway i thought at this point in time that it would be sort of like a unconscious villain like dr jekyll mr hyde type situation but you know mm-hmm. i i gave this book a little too much credit <laughs> i think you did i'm sorry uh i also where did i write this was it here was it this one or was it chapter three was it the third part Oh, I think I wrote here. I just went. Where is it? Oh, oh, okay. Nope, we're still going. Um, oh, I wrote down here. Uh, she's just like, I feel like I've known him for so long. And I'm just like, Fallon, you just let a stranger knob on your boob. Like. You do not know this man. You do not know him. So. Slap on me now. Yep, basically. Uh, 
And then Ben decides to go get a tattoo in the next part. And because Fallon has nowhere to sit, she straddles him while he gets a tattoo. Uh, And what tattoo does he get? He gets the word poet on his wrist with music bars or something like that. Um, And they're like trying to have like this sexy conversation while this man is literally getting a tattoo. And I'm just like, this cannot be sterile. This cannot be sanitary. Like, what the hell? Um, and he's a hundred percent love bombing her as he gets a tattoo, and then she's like, "Oh, maybe I should kiss him." And then the tattoo artist is like, "Uh, done." <laughs> uh, and then she leaves and gets on the plane, and she's like, "Oh, no romantic, um, no romantic goodbye this time. That's okay." This man buys a plane ticket to get onto the fucking plane just to give her quote unquote homework because they didn't give it to each other in the car need need i chime in to the audience here that this is a direct flight from la to new york that he buys a last minute ticket for and he's an undergraduate college student with no job to support his income doesn't and he doesn't plan to stay on the plane. He gets off the fucking plane. But do you know what's even worse, Lauren? Do you want to know what's worse mm. on top of this? What? The fucking quote unquote homework. I got so mad at this. So basically he hands her a letter and says, like, don't read it until like you don't see me anymore or something. Yada yada yada. And he gives her a piece of paper that basically tells her to go mend her relationship with her father to go speak to her father again and i got so fucking pissed like what audacity does this man have to say hey fallon i know i barely know you and i barely know your relationship with your father but you know what you should do you should try and go mend that relationship with him even though he literally came in to a conversation of them of him being a complete asshole and not supporting her literally ben is in part the reason why she is no contact with her father exactly like hello exactly also no one has the right to tell you to go mend a relationship with someone that you do not have a good relationship with do not let anyone tell you you have to fix a relationship either if you're blood related or not that is no one else's choice but your own and that's what made me so upset and like this just put him into disgusting like ick category and just how controlling and how just how he feels like he can control her and own her and that she's just an object he claims he does all this under the guise of doing and knowing what's best for fallon but it's clear that if he actually believed that he would let her be a little more in charge of the things that she says and does with these like homeworks. And instead, I think Mm -hmm. it's all to, as we will, you know, just unpack more and more as we go on through this book to make himself Mm -hmm. like feel good and in control. It makes him feel better. It's making him feel better. Not for Fallon. This is never for Fallon. This is all for Ben's ego. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice this seat. is the end of the second november 9th <laughs> going on to the third oh no we lost ashlyn <laughs> she's sick of our shit 
Yeah, she left. Okay. Moving forward. Chapter three. Shall I? Oh, we got a poem. <laughs> I forgot. I keep forgetting about the fucking poems. So do I. They haunt me in my sleep. <clears throat> she loved me in quotations. She kissed me in bold. I tried to keep her in all caps. She left with an ellipsis. Benton James Kessler. I just realized I think these are meant to be previews of the chapter. But I have no idea what they fucking mean that I never know. They're so badly and obscurely written that I feel like even someone that is more knowledgeable of poetry than I am would be like, what the hell does this mean? I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't get it. Stay at your, stay at your day job, Hoover. Don't write poetry. Oh, I did also say in the last chapter, also I said, what did I say two chapters ago? Therapy, not a plane ticket. (laughs) Therapy is less expensive at that point. Therapy is less expensive. Oh, she's back. We missed you. Chapter 10. Fallon is waiting at a restaurant in New York City because this is where they agreed to meet uh, in the next November 9th Um, because Fallon is still in New York and she's talking about how she's like written everything down for the year and how Ben's going to be so proud of her. At this point, I'm just like, girl, you got a praise kink and it's easy to see. Me too, though. So like respect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. But she's basically talking about how she and her dad are talking again. uh, um, How she's dated four different guys and landed an off-Broadway show. So she's like really excited to see him. And she's like planning the day out. And the server from the restaurant comes to her and gives her a phone. And Fallon has this like sinking sense in her stomach. And it's Ben. And he tells her that he's not coming. Because his brother Kyle died. And he basically says he will see you next year. And I felt so bad for Fallon in this instant. Not because Ben canceled on her. Honestly, I wish this is where the book ended. But it was the fact that she was she started crying. And she was like, oh, it's such for selfish reasons. I shouldn't be crying. And I'm like, you're allowed to cry. You are looking forward to this all year. You're allowed to be a little selfish. Like, you're allowed to be upset. Also, someone you and, and like a lot, not love, definitely not, because she's not 23 yet. Um, his brother just died. So being sad is okay. I'm going to put a pin on that for me. Because Mm. I'm on board with you thus far, but my opinions change about the motivations for sadness a little bit further into this chapter. But I'll let Mm. you know. I'll let you know when that is. I'm intrigued. Uh, Chapter 11. We're now back in Ben's point of view. He's really sad because, you know, his brother died. (laughs) Uh, Ian, Miles, and Tate show up to help. Um, Ben is kind of quote unquote holding everything together. Jordan really won't eat. Um, and surprise, she's pregnant with Kyle's baby. 
Um, and there's like a couple time jumps like throughout this chapter. Um, and at one point he's talking to like one of his uncles and his uncles asks about selling the house, which I was like, one pretty rude. Maybe don't ask a grieving person after someone important to them just died. Be like, hey, what are you going to do with the house, by the way? Don't fucking do that. And then there's a knock on the door. And guess who it is? Fallon. I also wrote a uh, red flag number. I don't know. He wants to punch through his door. Because <laughs> at one point he does say that. <laughs> I also clocked that. It's red flag behavior for sure. It's inside behavior. He left his fedora at home. Yes. (laughs) So chapter 12. For some reason, I just wrote, there's a snake in my boot. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, and this is a very short chapter, so I just wrote, they go to his room, he cries a bit. Dinner time! <laughs> you know, I think this is actually where my feelings started to morph, because I don't have, I, I rented it from the library, so I don't have the book in front of me, but it was during that scene where we're in Ben's perspective more, and sort of he talks about his emotional state where granted I'm all for, you know, the, I don't know. I've never had someone that close to me pass away kind of thing. I've never been through those emotions, but I did find it a little odd that he was like very much sort of like, yes, he was like sad and numb to the, to Kyle's death, but like in the back of his mind, the entire time he was like, Oh, I just really wish I had the chance to meet up with Fallon. We were really supposed to meet up today. I'm so, and I'm like, he wants to fuck. That's all he the, wants. Exactly. His mother like, died, is, and he wants to fuck. <laughs> I'm like, is this really the most important thing to you right now? Like, I get Fallon. Like, that's I think hers is more justified because she did not feel the pain of the loss of Kyle. This is your brother, dude. <laughs> like, you can What's think about Lucy tomorrow. You What's know? up with these men who get extremely horny when their brothers die? First, we got Maxim. <laughs> now oh. we have Ben. It's the only way they know how to do a healthy emotional release. Like in the most physical sense. Hey, yo! <laughs> hey, yo! <laughs> I'm just saying. But yeah, I love that. <laughs> he go to his room, he cries a bit. Dinner time! <laughs> That's all that happened in chapter 12. Uh, chapter 13. Um. Uh, there's dinner. Um, and then at one point, which is so weird, he picks food out of her teeth. Which I was like, and then his brother's like, "Oh, he's in love with you," because he wouldn't do that for anyone. I'm like, um, no one should be picking food out of your teeth. Who gave this man the audacity? I would like it back, please. Exactly. Exactly. I want the confidence of this mediocre white man, honestly. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, I also wrote down, I love that Hooper is basically calling out how she ripped off (laughs) 
these more successful stories to do this because <laughs> i think ian is the one who asked the, he's like so it's like sleepless in seattle and ben's like no definitely not and then they're like so it's like this other movie i forget the other movie i know it's another movie where they don't talk to each other for a year I literally got so annoyed with this part because I was like, if you're going to riff off these romantic tropes, like own it, like show that you're inspired from these. As the fact that Ben mm-hmm. got so defensive about it. I was like, hello, this sir. This is my story. This is my love story. This ain't like the other love stories. It's like, I'm, I'm really trying to be. Hanks. I'm better than Tom Hanks. I'm really trying <laughs> not to be like other authors out here. You know, I'm trying to show you the nuances of my incel romantic fantasy that I have contrived from this like very weird relationship that we've constructed and strung out over the course of six years. Sir, you're not different and you're not special. Go back to Reddit, please. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <sighs> so they're going to bed and Fallon is stinky. So she needs to go take a shower. And Ben like takes off his shirt and then she's like, Ben, you have abs. And I just wrote, what are, what is it with these girls who are into books in books that are obsessed with abs? I don't get it. You also know it's the type of like short, skinny, like abs that like you get when you're like malnourished. hundred percent like you didn't earn these in any way shape or form no no it's It's just just muscle fiber yeah it's just because they have an insane like digestive system and they just don't have any fat on them but it's not because they like train or anything they're just sitting there with his (laughs) with his dorito fingers like playing a video game or something and lurking on reddit ew ben you have abs and he's literally like yeah i guess i do i'm like shut the fuck up please (laughs) off please please god but also the fact that fallon's like he has abs i'm like i don't get it i don't get why people are obsessed with them okay here's my thing i'm standing on my soapbox i'm gonna say something that could be controversial i don't find abs sexy I've never I really either. That. I'm not big on him either. I've never looked at a guy and been like, he needs to have abs if I'm going to date him or like, or for me to find him attractive. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand the obsession around these things. Like everybody has them. They're just covered in like with other people. It's fat, fat covering it or how skin works and yada, yada and so forth. Like, I don't get it. No, and it's even weirder for me that Fallon is attracted to it when in the first November night she specifically mentions how she likes him being like unkempt and like not Hollywood perfect. And she's I would deem like abs boys. Exactly. And now all of a sudden she's like woof, woof, abs, woof. And I'm like, hello, ma'am. Your standards? Mm-hmm. I have them here. They're on the floor. You dropped them. Yeah. Now they're in hell. Now. <laughs> Yes. So, so can you hear me first off? Okay, cool. Yes. Um, so this was really like, I remember this vividly because the entire first part of this book has a lot to do with like superficial things, like her, her appearance mattering to her and like him trying to like help her through that. And then the first thing she thinks of is very superficial with him. 
which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Double standard. It's fine. Moving forward. Chapter 14. <laughs> uh, she showers. And then we get a sex-ish scene. I call it sex-ish because it's fucking fade to black. And I'm so fucking mad because this thing is, it's targeted as a fucking romance and there's not even a sex. I'm dry as a bone. <laughs> this Listen. is a hair de- desert down there. This is pathetic at this point. This may be controversial for this podcast in particular, but this is probably the only time you'll hear me say this. I was glad it was a fade to black because I don't want to envision alpha male Benton James Kessler in any remote sexual way because I picture a boy. You know what I mean? Like when they described him and his actions and his emotional immaturity, I was like, you are a child. I don't care. You're over age. You're like, you're, you're a child. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to know how so miraculously sexual god you are in bed because i know that's the route colleen hoover would have taken if it wasn't a fate to blood so this is the reason why it makes me upset it's because this is such a god awful book that i wish there were some god awful sex that i could laugh at and then it just doesn't happen and it's not like none of this book is sexy at all like there's nothing sexually appealing throughout this entire piece of fiction and then when i'm like okay we're finally getting to a scene okay this might be not bad and then there's nothing i get nothing i was just like i have been starving for days just for just for a taste a small fruit and it's taken away from me (laughs) ah and I also wrote down, here's some other things I wrote down about this chapter. What is it with this man force, forcefully taking off her clothes? Because this is the second time. What the fuck? Then we get, why is I want, I want to be your last. So fucking cringy. It's so disgusting. Oh, I <gasps> hated that. I don't want to be your first because I want to be your last. And then she says, like, you could be my first and last. And, and I last. said, you will never have good penis in your life, Alan. Suffer. No, no. Suffer. That man, both of you deserve that man, it. That man don't even know how to eat you out, girl. Run. You're never going to have an <laughs> orgasm. Do you think his condom is, like, shaped at the end with a little fedora? I'm sure he probably he probably got the ones that, like, tasted like things because he was just like, <gasps> <laughs> the glow in the dark ones. Oh, 100%. Betty Kessler <laughs> definitely has glow in the dark condoms. Ew. It's like, I want to see you from the inside. Basically. <laughs> I think he just looked up how to do the sex <laughs> on Wiki How. God. R slash, am I the asshole? <laughs> I, 20 male. Am seeing 20 female once per year. How to sex her? Yeah. I hate it. And so also I wrote down like, and I wrote down her virginity slash her body is not a prize. Like, you're a virgin? (laughs) 
And then they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm on the top of the world because I took a virginity. And it's just like, ah! why does it why does it matter? Why does why, it matter that why does it matter that a piece of the human body was, quote unquote, broken? Which literally it can be broken. I'm talking about the hymen here, by the way. If you didn't know, everybody, the hymen can literally be, quote unquote, broken by riding a bicycle or riding a horse or other injuries to the groin area. And guess what? It grows back. So it is not a seal for, quote unquote, virginity. Virginity is a social construct. And this has been the Birds and the Bees talk with the Raunchy Power Hour podcast. Don't tell your parents. This this is an explicit podcast. <laughs> Very explicit I podcast. To, I hate to be the one to bring information to people about sex if they're listening to this podcast. Oof. <laughs> if you so are listening. You, <laughs> yeah, so they fuck. If you are listening, you don't know much about sex. Just don't do what these people do. <laughs> if you're listening if you're listening and your parents have not given you the talk yet please stop listening please stop listening now or continue that's how i found out yep. <laughs> or in fan fiction that's how i found out <laughs> true lemons insert fandom x reader lemons r slash lemons slash lemons uh. oh god um anyway uh ben's like hey i know we just had sex i should have moved to new york city with you and fallon's like yeah maybe you should that'd be kind of fun she owns the world because her 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 meow kitty hello kitty puss puss is so good Punini. <laughs> he's so good that this man said i'm gonna up and leave the entire west coast and move to the opposite end of this country for you also my grieving family as just a reminder my brother just (laughs) fucking died we're gonna miss his funeral by moving to new york and i don't care i don't care because because your punini was so good (laughs) anyway (laughs) so they fall asleep for a bit and then fallon uh goes downstairs and catches jordan who's just come out of her room for the first time to eat and jordan's like nomming and she's like it's so sad that my husband died before he met our baby and he and she's like i just i can't move back in with my mom i just have to stay here and then fallon decides right then and there that she cannot break up this family and Ben has to stay. And Ben comes downstairs, gives Jordan a hug and they're like having a moment. Then Fallon comes downstairs and now she's wearing her clothes again and then she walks out the door and he's like, he's basically like begging her not to leave and just like they'll work it out and that he can come with. And she's like, no, you need to stay here with your family. Like, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Um, and then this is the part where we get one of those uh, scenes where he's thinking about like laying on top of her or like grabbing her physically so that she cannot leave, which is very concerning. Again, I understand that he is in a very bad emotional state, but that should never be a thought that comes into anybody's like view about someone you quote unquote love. Um. 
So she leaves and he is broken and sad. I also want to emphasize that for some reason that having read this book, I still can't wrap my head around. He spends her very coherent, crystal clear narrative of like, I'm doing this because your family needs you because it's the right thing to do. And because you did this to me on the first November 9th. And this was important for my growth. I care about you. And this is important for yours. We will see each other next year. She made that so clear. She never once insinuated that she didn't have feelings for him. And then in his like emotionally clouded state, literally spins everything she says and puts it back on her. And he's like, he literally like ignores everything, cuts her off, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he's basically like, then if you want this done, like I'm not going to leave until you like tell me you do not love me. You do not have feelings for me, blah, blah, blah. And he like puts her between a rock and a hard place until the point where she finally does. And even when she does, she doesn't verbatim say it. She just says like, you know, something along like, you know, I have to, or we can't do this, whatever. Like, and he fabricates this as like, she doesn't love me and doesn't be, want to be with me. Like, fuck this, I guess. And I'm like, where? Literally, we have the transcript of this conversation. Where, sir? Yeah, 100%. And I think this just goes into his self-absorption and how all of this is for him. Fallon is, in his mind, for him and him alone. She is an object. She is not a person. She does not. And she's trying to help. And I had, like, weird feelings about this ending because I didn't, like, quite know how to handle it because I was like, well, he's grieving. So, like, I get it. Like, he's got a lot going on. Not I get it in the sense of, like... No, he shouldn't be thinking that way. But like he's in a very emotional state. So I can see how someone could definitely like think that way. But a hundred percent you're seeing you're seeing the bad person that Ben is in this moment because he is just like she doesn't love me. And she obviously will never do that because she left and all of this, even though she clearly said she goes, I'm trying to help you stay with your family. I'm not gonna ask you to come with me. That's not fair on you. And I'm not going to make you make that decision right now. And she even she'll be back the next November. Like, hello? This is the arrangement you wanted all along for your little fancy schmancy book. Like, by the way, I think I think we forgot to mention that he's writing a book about her, (laughs) about their whole romance. <laughs> Oops, rapid fire. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay, so Ben's a writer, by the way. We forgot to probably mention this. Because <laughs> we just got so heated. I'm so sorry. So Ben is a writer, and he after the first November 9th, he's like, Oh, I'm gonna write a book about our love story. So, like, this is the hook is that they can only meet each other once a year, and then that's the big plot hook throughout the book. So, yeah. Also, to be mentioned, this fucker got an agent deal, a literary agent deal without even having material to present. He pitched the idea to a literary agency who said, yeah, we fuck with this. And then they signed Mm -hmm. him on without a manuscript. And I said, who in the Willy Wonka's golden ticket to the chocolate factory is this? Colleen Hoover, you are an author. You know how this works. works. We're in the same wavelength again, Lauren. One brain cell. It's shared. 
the raunchy mitochondria powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> <laughs> that should be that should be on a, a on a piece of merch if we ever make any. I'm posting it to Twitter as we speak. I love it. Thank you. Did you oh, guys? God. Did you guys uh, tell them what our um, group chat name is for this book? Oh no, we didn't even get to say it. Uh, so this kind of came from Lauren, and I love her for it because I think this is right after you had just started the book. And our, for those who do not know, this is an ongoing bit in our group chat of text messages where we will rename our group chat after whatever book or piece of fan fiction we are reading. And uh, for this month, we have Raunchy Power Hour, uh, November 9th, Circle of Hell. And Lauren, I'll have you post <laughs> the image I created for the group chat. <laughs> um, but just to describe it, uh, it is one of those classical diagrams of Dante's nine circles of hell and at the bottom is Colleen Hoover's November 9th at the ninth level. We suffer so you don't have to. Yep, you get to laugh at our pain. Anyway, 4th November 9th. Lauren, do you have a piece of poetry for to read for us? In her darkness, she is silent. In my darkness, she screams. It's in James Kessler. Chapter 16. Fallon's POV. Fallon is at the restaurant where they first met. And Ben's a little bit late, so she's kind of freaking out. And then Ben shows up. But with a baby. And she's like, oh God, he has a child. No. Well, well, <laughs> it's not his biological son, but it, it is the son of Kyle and Jordan. And he's like five months now. And they're talking for a bit. And he says something along, along the lines of, oh yeah, we have to keep the baby monitor just to listen when he cries at night. And... Fallon concludes that this man is fucking his dead brother's wife. So she's reasonably upset. <laughs> and so are we. Yeah. Is, that a, yeah. is that a next time on the raunchy power hour? <laughs> so should we finish here or should we finish part four? We're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep going. We should finish this off because it's it's a short, it's a short thing. Because literally, next chapter, um, I wrote down, dude, you were having sex with your dead brother's wife and have a nephew son. <laughs> I cannot relay the fact that so Ashlyn, you've been very clear in that you've read this book before us. She told us prior to reading that there were multiple times when she like threw the book against the wall. I thought she was kidding. I was like, oh my God, this is so teehee funny bad. Mm -hmm. I literally was laying on the couch reading this. I looked at this. I like, like hot cross buns, like threw the book around in my hands and then <laughs> chucked it at the fireplace. And I was like, this sucks ass. This, you cannot yes. be serious Colleen Hoover. Yeah, yeah. 
This is when I also threw the book across the room. This was my moment too. Uh, so Fallon is obviously sad and upset because she's like, what the fuck, dude? Um, and he's like, you didn't love me and da 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 da. And he's also like, why, why are you taking your car? And she goes, by the way, I fucking moved here a month ago. And he's like, did you move back for me? And she says, yes. I look like Megamind right now, but like literally I, this chapter pissed me off for so many reasons, but the primary one being that their confrontation in the bathroom, this chapter where, you know, she runs off to cry. Cause you know, yeah, she Fucking got some Alabama. Yeah. He follows her into the bathroom. Leave her alone. And then, yes. And she tries to like, be like, you know, like yes we can take time apart like yes if you had fallen in love with someone else it's okay but it's your dead brother's widow what the hell are you doing and he literally tries to spin it on her the entire time he's like well you didn't love me anymore what was i supposed to do (laughs) i had to fill the void blah blah blah. and i'm like you there are other ways to fill the void not with (laughs) your sister-in-law dude not with the nephew's son it is like also, oh, do you want to know, know another thing that pissed me off about this? What? We don't hear anything about Oliver or anything for basically the rest of the book. Like, there's even, a couple mentions of him. If he's so like, important to you. Yeah, even though Ben's like, you know, I'm like his, like, you know, father, basically. Because Kyle's dead. And I go over there every single day. And like, but I'm like, you're 21. Not that you can't be yep. a parent at 21, but like Ben is not a parent at 21. You know, it's like, no, no. <laughs> and I think, and I think on top of this, I think this is the cherry. And this is like sums up all of this is the fact that I wrote down. I love that he thinks he can still control her. Yeah. Like you made your stupid bed time to lie in it. Like you made your decision. Please, please tell me. Actually, you know what, Sid, you, you, you take us home for this chapter and then I'll say what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, she gets in the car and then she drives off and she's like, I oh, won't okay. be there. I won't be at the well, next one. I don't know if any of you follow the after movie franchise, not the books. But the movie. <laughs> oh, no. I, it's like, I'm a masochist. You know, I love watching those movies. And one of the movies, Hardin, who is notoriously abusive. I don't use that. I don't throw that word around. He's abusive. He is toxic. He's manipulative. He's abusive. He, Tessa, Tessa, gets in like an an accident of some kind. I don't quite remember what it is. I think there's like a car wreck or something. She's fine. But she does get taken away in a hot, like in an in an ambulance they just had a blowout fight they had a blowout fight and in this movie y'all gotta look it up it is hilarious Harden is running after the ambulance so like the camera's inside the ambulance filling out the back window Harden is running after her literally like swinging his arms like this and this is exactly what I envisioned as Benton was running after her car through this gravel parking lot oh god Please look it up. It is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So well, this concludes part one of November 9th by Colleen Hoover. Ashlyn, do you have some questions for us? I actually am pretty like proud of the questions that I have this time. So 
First and foremost, if you were one of these characters, either Ben or Fallon, or in their position in general, would you meet someone like on the same date? Would you put yourself in the situation? Would you be willing to? No. Um, sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay, they meet when they're 18, right? Not to brag or anything, but like my high school prospects on the road. I listen. I dated way too many people in high school. It's it's a thing we joke about now. It's fine. I had little self-respect, much like Fallon. It's most likely I would be the Fallon in the situation. However, my DMs were never dry. Okay. I would never hold out for a man two months, let alone a year. Okay. Talk to me later, Benton. Anyway. See, I had the opposite problem when I was in high school. <laughs> Um, my DMs were empty. So, but I would not have stooped this low to meet up with a guy to do this because one, I have enough sense of self-respect to be like, no. Um, and two, I just, I just, I wouldn't do this because there's just like, you do not know what happens to a person throughout the year. You do not know what they experience. You do not know what they go through. And I would be genuinely so anxious and terrified to go meet up with a basically a stranger once a year. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'd rather just um, play my cards and figure out if I can date anybody that's near me. At this point in the book, how do you feel about Fallon's dad? I know we haven't spent a lot of time with him, but we both we all know that he becomes mm. incredibly important later on. So what do you think of him now? I think he's a child Hollywood actor that grew up into fame and wields it around like his small penis. And I personally in that, you know, in the second November ninth or whenever that Ben is like, rekindle your relationship with your father, like outside of all the problematic context of asking her to do that, like just boiling it down to the brass tacks, legitimately, why? Like, why is yes. there a need to? Like you were there, sir, okay. when he treated her like shit. And there's been no evidence in the past three years or four years of this book at this point that that has changed. And I just... For me, it was except like out of sight, out of being mind. like, exactly. Except for Fallon being like, "Oh, we're talking again." Yeah, like, is I'm that like, good? Is that bad? Yeah, he's literally an NPC. I'm sorry, dude. Get wrecked. Yeah, a hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree. I would just like I. I don't think about him honestly. I think he's still an asshole. I think he probably hasn't learned anything. And Fallon's like, but "We're just different people," and he's just trying to tell me that way. I'm like, Mm-mm, "No, he's an asshole." You you can admit that your that your parents are assholes. That is okay. <laughs> At this point in the book, how do you feel about Ben Fallon and Ben and Fallon? Lauren's smile just dropped. 
I don't even know if I have to answer. Well, I don't even know if I have anything to say. I just, I'll sum it up really quick. Ben's an incel that is coded with the likeness of Reddit and Tumblr having a baby in 2015. And I'm sick of it. No one listens to the ex-ambassadors Fallon. She's just as bad. I don't know if y'all caught that. When he asked what her favorite band was, she said the ex-ambassadors. I said, I'm sorry. Irrelevant. I just think both of them are products of their time. And in, a, and in the lens of like a time capsule, sure, it's funny. That's why I ate this book up like candy. I was like, this is cringe and it's hilarious. Beyond that, their chemistry is contrived out of plot convenience. Literally, Ben is repulsive in every way, shape, and form. And the fact that Fallon does not realize this makes me hate her even more. And I'm like, I don't mean to hate on her or shit on her. Girl, get a pair of eyes. Okay, you have your confidence back. You have your self-worth back. Wake up. There are other men in this world. Okay. I just, I, I want, I want Ben to be an evil guy. I want him to be an unreliable narrator. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Honestly, Lauren just summed up my feelings about Ben and Fallon as individual characters. And, but I will comment on them together as a couple. I agree. There, there is no chemistry between these two characters. There's no reason. Well, Ben has a reason to like Fallon. Fallon does not have a reason to share feelings for Ben. There is no reason. And we will find out. And listeners, you'll realize later why Ben has feelings for Fallon. And it's of guilt. A hundred percent. This is a hundred percent just an ego fest for Ben to boost because he feels bad about something he did. And he, and we will talk about that more when we get there. And you cannot grow a fucking relationship based off of negative feelings because you hurt someone. That is not a relationship. That is a fucking pity party. And them together is just... It doesn't make sense. There's no reason for them to like each other. There's no reason for them to be together there's no fucking reason and i think that's what pisses me off the most is i'm just sitting here being like if fallon just found one guy who was just maybe minutely better than ben or just found someone else who wasn't like that maybe instead of keep fallon to keep choosing assholes maybe recognize that and go to fucking therapy like I'm going to say one last thing on this topic because you saying that just just reminded Mm -hmm. me. Fallon is dating her father. A hundred percent. Ben is her father, but coded in like pandering and a little bit of like flattery and dishonesty. Like it's literally the Mm -hmm. same shit. It's controlling. It's choosing your life path. It's like you know, molding you into something that you're perhaps she needs a man to, to leave her. And I think that's what's grossing us out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Freud who? Oedipus who? Who? Oh. <laughs> anyway, I think that's what we're <laughs> <the> episode. <laughs> well, that's all from us tonight, listeners. Thank you for listening to 
our first part of November 9th by Colleen Hoover. Uh, go check us out on all those socials. Uh, you know, we got Instagram, uh, Twitter, where Lauren likes to shitpost. Uh, we've got a TikTok, which kind of cool that a lot of you decided to look that up. That was kind of cool. Um, and if you want to give us Rex, we got links and everything else. You know what to do. So we will see you later, you curvaceous cuties. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of November 9, where we will discuss our final thoughts on the book. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Raunchy Power Hour. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at the RPH Podcast. Send us book recs to our email, raunchypowerhour at gmail.com, or at the link in our bio on any of our socials. As always, stay raunchy. Stay raunchy.